It's Free Talk Live, and you can dial in toll-free to join us here. Our number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Ian. And me, Vincent. Of course, you can bring up anything you want. It was last night, Vincent, that I saw an update from WikiLeaks saying, here's a torrent, it's encrypted, Download the torrent, and then at 9 a.m. this morning, they were going to release the uh, the key that would un- unencrypt those files. And I was just too busy. I didn't have a chance to download the torrent, but I thought, this sounds interesting. And sure enough, it's pretty interesting. Vault 7 has been revealed the CIA's hacking tools. We remember, uh, what now, almost four years ago, it was 2013, uh, when Edward Snowden had uh, sort of made a made a break for freedom, he tried to escape the United States and was successful at it, uh, while also revealing all kinds of information about the NSA and its level of hacking and spying against just average people in the United States. Uh, that was a huge revelation for a lot of people. Now, Some of us kind of already knew that there was a real good possibility the government was doing the level of spying uh, and hacking that we we ended up finding out that they actually were doing. So Snowden did confirm some people's worst fears, but it doesn't end with the NSA. According to the release over at WikiLeaks, today, Tuesday, March 2017, the 7th, uh, WikiLeaks begins its new series of leaks. So they're just starting this. Uh, On the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency, codenamed Vault 7 by WikiLeaks, it is the largest ever publication of confidential documents on the agency. The first full part of the series, Year Zero, comprises 8,761 documents and files from an isolated high-security network situated inside the CIA's Center for Cyber Intelligence in Langley, Virginia. It follows an introductory introductory disclosure last month of CIA targeting French political parties and candidates in the lead-up to the 2012 presidential election. Recently, the CIA lost control of the majority of its hacking arsenal, including malware, viruses, trojans, weaponized zero-day exploits, malware, remote control systems, and associated documentation. This extraordinary collection, which amounts to more than seven, or excuse me, several hundred million lines of code, gives its possessor the entire hacking capacity of the CIA. Oops. The archive appears to have been circulating among former U.S. government hackers and contractors in an unauthorized manner, one of whom has provided WikiLeaks with portions of the archive. So they have all these hacking tools that are you know, presumably pretty elite-level uh, hacking tools that they just, whoops, lost control of. <laughs> How'd that get out there? Well, now anybody who's got the connections apparently can have the very same hacking prowess and and tools that uh, the CIA did, and they'll tell you more about the uh, you know exactly what they can do, what they could break with these hacking tools. Some people are going to be shocked. Year Zero introduces the scope and direction of the CIA's global covert hacking program, its malware arsenal, and dozens of zero-day weaponized exploits against a wide range of U.S. and European company products, including Apple's iPhone, Google's Android, and Microsoft Windows, and even Samsung TVs, which have been turned into covert microphones. Now, I remember years ago, 
on this program. We had people calling in saying that they believe there were microphones inside their television sets. And we laughed at them because at that time they didn't have television sets that you could talk to. I mean, they didn't, you know, if there were microphones in them, they weren't advertised as a as part of the product. It would have had to have been placed in there secretly. And there were even like conspiracy websites where people you know, were taking apart their TVs and pulling out what they believed to be microphones, but obviously weren't. Well, they didn't know the what they were doing. Well, that was the thing in 1984 where... They could spy on, you know, you'd have the telescreen, I think it was called, and they'd be, you know, you'd have to do your exercises during the day, and yeah. whatever instructor would see you and say, Winston Smith, you know, uh, do, do your exercise better or, you know, get, put your back into it. Right. It's creepy. And, uh, and in the past, people were believing this was true. I don't think it was true a decade ago, but now the TVs are so-called smart TVs. They do respond to voice commands. So these are, microphones are parts of those products so it's a trivial matter to hack into a device like that and flip those things on let's go to your calls we got more to talk about here with uh vault 7 the huge leak from wikileaks as we continue though you can bring up anything you want steven is on the line in portsmouth new hampshire on via skype hey steven hello everyone hey uh speaking of uh freedom of information and also information privacy there is a super exciting event happening in New Hampshire oh. this June. It is Somalia Fest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, you've told us about this before. Uh, this is the event that is planned to happen before the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which has uh, sort of declined, I guess, in, in popularity among some people. Uh, and some of those folks have started their own festival at the exact same campground, Rogers Campground, uh, what, the weekend before? It Yes, the weekend before Pork Fest, which is the following weekend. So what are the days that Somalia Fest is going to be happening then? The, first of all, you can check it out at SomaliaFest.com. Oh, there's a website some, now. Some mysterious person registered SomaliaFest.com and put up a website. Excellent. And they are promising memes if you enter your email address. Uh-oh, your connection you. is not secure. Apparently some mysterious person did not get an SSL certificate properly for the for the site. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> um well, um anyway, anyway, they- <laughs> the uh the the Somalia Fest and Free State Pirate Party. It's an extension of the Freedom Festival happening at the end of June at Rogers Campground mm-hmm. and it's all about the Pirate Party and the launch of a real New Hampshire Pirate Party initiative. Really? As well as an actual party. Now, we actually just had uh, Rick Falkvinge on the on the show, who was the founder of the Pirate Party. We met him at Anarchapulco, uh, down in Acapulco, about a week ago. Really nice guy. Great, you know, principled, liberty-oriented dude, from what I can tell. And, uh, you know, and so it's nice to hear that somebody's getting serious about launching a Pirate Party in New Hampshire. Now, I thought I'd already heard that there was one. Well, that is the case, but that Rick guy is very cool. Yeah. And and he his point about the pirate party is not that it's an official thing. It's it's all about people taking personal responsibility mm-hmm. and and creating the pirate party themselves. So, um and also it's very important for him that everyone have an extreme amount of fun and set super inspiring goals well if you're not having fun then you're doing it wrong and that's why we're having a big pirate dance party on saturday night 
to go along with the rest of the Somalia Fest. Okay, so um, uh, so I tried to go to SomaliaFest.com, and it is currently forwarding to Free Coast Radio. So there, there does not appear to be a Somalia Fest like actually advertising mm. the event. Um, well, maybe maybe try it without SSL. Okay, so no. what what are the uh, what are the dates? Can you just tell us what the dates are, so for people listening, can maybe mark their calendar? June sixteenth through June twentieth at Rogers Campground in Lancaster, New Hampshire. Okay, June sixteenth through the twentieth. dot com. Excellent. And I, I just have a question: as someone who hasn't been to Pork Fest, why? Let's if I could choose one, why should I go to Somalia Fest rather than the other? Good question. Well, Somalia Fest is not related to the Free State Project. It's not an official event. It's a free event, and it it is focused specifically on the planks of the Pirate Party ship, mm. which which are um, maybe more to the left of how people at Pork Fest uh, tend to be. But it's focused on free sharing of knowledge. Information privacy, privacy reform of copyright and patent laws, freedom of information, and internet neutrality. I have to say, so, I think this is very exciting. And by the way, I got it to work. When you told me to put W's in front of it, that made it work. So the non-WIs oh version is not currently pointing at the right thing. But www.somaliafest.com will get you to the site without any kind of uh, SSL error. So it looks great. Let's. Can you stick with us, Stephen? Talk more about this event. Yeah. All right. More with Stephen, uh, one of the folks presumably behind uh, Somalia Fest. He's the, at least the one who's been promoting it on the air with us, and I appreciate the effort. Uh, more coming up here. This is Free Talk Live, and we'll get back into the CIA coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Dial in toll free. Bring up what you want. We've still got a lot more to talk about with the CIA. Huge leak coming out of WikiLeaks today. That I've barely scratched the surface of, honestly. I've, I was in Concord earlier today, and I've been running all over the place. Had a board meeting for the Cheshire TV, the local cable access channel. And I saw these headlines, and I thought, we got to talk about this. And you did the same, Vincent. You had also, independent of me, also seen this headline of the uh, the WikiLeaks. And we're going to get deeper into that coming up here in moments. Also, we'll continue with uh, Stephen from Somalia Fest. But first, I want to let you know about my pillow. Uh, the last time I went up to Rogers Campground, where Somalia Fest is happening, I brought my pillow with me. And then promptly forgot it when I left. So I turned around after having gone a half hour down the road and drove all the way back just so I could get my pillow back because it's a great pillow and I would miss if uh, if I didn't have my pillow. And I did miss it when I was down there in Acapulco because I didn't bring it with me. MyPillow.com. Go there and use code FTL. You get one MyPillow at half price or two for the price of one. It's designed to fit to the shape of your body and hold your neck in the proper position. I've been using mine since early 2016, and if it wasn't a great pillow, I would have stopped using it right away. In fact, if for some reason you don't think it's a great pillow, if you don't think it's the best pillow you've ever used, then you can send it back, and they'll actually give you your purchase price back, because there's a 60-day window of time where you get to decide that. Beyond that, it's guaranteed to last for 10 years. They really stand behind their product over at MyPillow, and you can wash it. You can put it in your washer and your dryer, unlike pretty much every other pillow you've probably ever seen. So go to MyPillow.com and use code FTL as we continue with Stephen in Portsmouth calling us about Somalia Fest, uh, which I think is sounding like it's shaping up to be a really fun event. It feels to me like 
sort of the the way Porkfest used to be. Porkfest was the Porcupine Freedom Festival and still is. They're going to have that this year as well. But the Porcupine Freedom Festival, I think way back in the day, didn't have any kind of admission. Uh, It wasn't centrally planned really in any meaningful way. Um, And this is going to be the same concept, right, where where people can just kind of show up freedom-oriented people, pirate party people, liberty people, voluntarists, anarchists, libertarians, they're invited to show up and just kind of create what they want. I mean, is that right, Stephen? Is that kind of part of the vision for this? Definitely. Part part of the vision for this is to introduce a bit of anarchy into the the Free State Freedom Festival that happens every June. <clears throat> and um, and be be a, a bit different, uh, not not have a bunch of rules and a uh, hundred fifty dollar fee to get in, but most importantly to to focus on things that matter to the pirate party, uh, such as um, and especially in New Hampshire, such as getting more. How can we get more public libraries to run Tor nodes, mm-hmm. or how can we how can we promote encrypted cryptocurrencies? Uh, exploring different things that are important to the pirate party and and figuring out how we can create um, create a, a lasting impact in New Hampshire. So the, will this actually be the formation of the pirate party? Is it going to you know run candidates in political elections coming up in you know 2018? Is that kind of the, the long term goal? Well, I'm not an, I'm not an expert in that, and mm-hmm. uh, I think I think part of the pirate the Somali Fest is coming up with what is the best thing for the Pirate Party mm. in New Hampshire. I think there's a lot of people interested, and it, it could be um, creating a party to run candidates, or it could be trying to get certain local government changes that don't require candidates, um, like the like the the tour node that's been right. running in uh, a lo- local library, things like that. Yeah, that's just something that if you talk to the board members of the local library that you can possibly, you know, lobby them for. So, yeah, you wouldn't need to run candidates in that case. And after uh, Kilton in Lebanon, in Westlet, which I covered at the time, you know... You they, lived up there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a whole video about it, yeah. And it's not so, so controversial anymore because they told the NSA, they told the government, no, we're still going to run this. So yes, let let's get let's launch the official pirate party in New Hampshire. There's there's a lot of people who know what it takes to do that, and I think given given a, a few days, we can figure out a plan and make it happen. I think it sounds very exciting. Like I said, it sounds like it kind of it harkens back to the original days of the Porcupine Freedom Festival before it had become sort of this corporate uh, entity with high security, searching cars coming in, searching for Chris Cantwell. Uh, I remember that happened one year. And, you know, the Porcupine Freedom Festival was a lot of fun for a long time, and it just sort of has been falling off. It sort of jumped the shark uh, at, at some point. And it, it jumped the shark before they banned Free Talk Live from from the event, uh, I would say. It had started to, uh, to do that. That was sort of the icing on the cake for us, at least. So uh, I'm looking forward to this, and I think it's probably something that Free Talk Live would like to broadcast from if you guys would uh, would have us, which I suspect you won't really be able to decide whether or not we show up because you're not really going to be controlling any kind of security here. It's just whoever wants to come camp and and enjoy Somalia Fest. I mean, pretty much you just have to pay Rogers Campground for your campsite and you're good to go, right? That's correct. And and you can also come into Rogers Campground, I think, for like 5 or $10 if if you're not staying overnight. Yeah, I think that's the basically the parking fee. Vincent was just asking me about that. Um, you know, Rogers essentially there's limited parking, so they do charge a five dollar day pass 
for that, but you can bring more than one person in the car and you don't have to, I don't think each person, there's no security. So it's just really, they're just worried about their parking lot. Uh, as long as you've got a sticker on your car, you're, you're good to go for the day. Cool. Awesome. Anything else you well, want to share about the event? I'm very excited about the party yeah. and, and the event and exploring these ideas and, and yeah, getting more freedom of information, better, better transparency and a better internet. I think we can actually do a lot more than most people think in making the internet better. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm very excited, too, because we've talked about the Pirate Party here on Free Talk Live, and especially the success, you know, the sort of shocking successes that they've had in such a short period of time. Uh, in Iceland, for instance, they had a tremendous success. I think they were like the second or third most uh, elected po- political party in this last election, and that's literally after a handful of years of being created. I mean, it, it's they've had incredible success in a very short time. As well as in one of the one or two of the Scandinavian countries, they right. they totally took over the entire youth vote. Yep. They, they total totally took over the youth vote. And one thing I see here is not a lot of youth people being very energized by sure. politics, but they are into things like Edward, Edward Snowden and um, the internet, especially internet neutrality. And I think we can really energize them. All right, so uh, SomaliaFest.com. Right now, you got to put W's in front of that to get to the actual website. I see there's a little email sign-up box. Is, am I just going to get memes if I uh, put my email in, or will I actually get updates about the event as well? You're going to get updates probably <laughs> okay, with memes attached. I, I, I'm not exactly sure what they're going to send. All right, cool. I'm going to probably pop my email in there. And, of course, we'll hope that you'll continue uh, to update us, will you, as this develops? Absolutely. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for having the call me. tonight. That's Stephen from SomaliaFest.com. Thanks for the call tonight. And remember, put W's in front. You'll get to the website. Drop your email address in there to get updated. Mark your calendars for June 16th through June 20th. That's It's going to come up fast. I mean, you think, oh, it's a few months away. It's just a few months away. I mean, we're talking about three months away at this point. So now's the time to, to mark your calendars and start making plans to come up for that event. And if you want to stay for the Porcupine Freedom Festival, well, then you got to pay for that because that's like, I don't know, what, 80 bucks or something like that this well, year? Wasn't honestly. that just Liberty Forum's uh, discounted oh, price? Oh, yeah, it was the early price, yeah. right? So who knows what the and final it's half price is. days. But New Hampshire is right. very beautiful during the summer, like really nice. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm from that area. Yeah, it's really nice. Absolutely. All right. So very exciting. We'll keep you in the loop about that. Also, the I just met with the organizer of the Cannabis Freedom Festival which is going to be happening in late August this year. So if you can't make it up for Somalia Fest, maybe you want to come up for that. It's going to be August 25th through the 28th. Uh, they don't have a website yet, but we'll let you know when that's available as well. Uh, so more coming up here. We've got the CIA leaks to talk about. It's Free Talk Live. The Libertarian Party of New Hampshire is having its 2017 annual convention March 18th from 2 to 6 p.m. at the Holiday Inn in Concord, New Hampshire. The convention will feature speakers Caleb Dyer, a freshman state representative who recently joined the Libertarian Party, and Patrick McKnight, regional representative to the Libertarian National Committee. Tickets for the convention are $10 for non-members and admission is free for LPNH members. Go to lpnh.org convention for more information. That's lpnh.org convention. Hey, it's Free Talk Live. You can join us here on the radio, and you can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything you want. 
whether it's the Pirate Party or the CIA and WikiLeaks coming out with a, another trove of documents, which apparently is just the beginnings of a series of releases about the CIA. Uh, already, apparently, this is a record number of documents, 8,761. That's in part one, which is what they've released this morning. Uh, documents and files from an isolated high-security network inside the CIA's Center for Cyber Intelligence. Uh, we'll get deeper into the story. It's Ian and Vincent in the studio with you tonight. You can join us at 855-450-FREE, 855-450-3733, Skype username is lrn.fm healthcare is pretty messed up in the united states and yeah you can't expect the government's going to fix this problem anytime soon i know there's some sort of bill in play but that's just going to rearrange the deck chairs on the titanic you've got to take responsibility for your own health and uh, your own health care but not everybody's interested in health insurance and health excellence select actually gives you freedom from health insurance They'll give you a proactive health assessment daily, no charge, 24-hour access to doctors, including traditional, integrative, chiropractic, acupuncture, and massage. Plus, you can get an uh, a, uh, information card that you can give to EMS, first responders, the emergency room, or whatever medical professional you want. Check them out right now at healthexcellenceselect.com. You'll love the service and the price. That's healthexcellenceselect.com. As we continue here talking about the... Uh, apparently, the CIA losing control, according to WikiLeaks.org, according to their press release from this morning, uh, lost control of the majority of its hacking arsenal, including malware, viruses, trojans, weaponized zero-day exploits, malware remote control systems, and the associated documentation. Oops, they just lost control of it. Now it's out in the wild with uh, you know whatever hackers have been able to get their hands on it. Uh, according to the story here at WikiLeaks, year zero... Uh, introduces the scope and direction of the CIA's uh, global covert hacking program, talking about how they've managed to hack Apple's iPhone, Google's Android, Microsoft Windows, and Samsung televisions, turning them into covert microphones. Since 2001, the CIA has gained political and budgetary preeminence over the NSA. CIA found itself building not just its now infamous drone fleet, but very different type of covert globe-spanning force, its own substantial fleet of hackers. The agency's hacking division freed it from having to disclose its often controversial operations to the NSA, which is its primary bureaucratic rival, in order to draw on the NSA's hacking capacities. By the end of 2016, the CIA's hacking division, which formally falls under the agency's Center for Cyber Intelligence, had over 5,000 registered users and had produced more than 1,000 hacking systems, Trojans, viruses, and other weaponized malware. Weaponized malware does not sound like a good thing. That I don't sound, know what that, that means. That sounds redundant. But. Yeah. I mean, malware, what is malware? Can you define it for the listener? Oh, I don't know the exact definition. Just pulling it out of my hat here, yeah. it would be like a program that's designed to cause harm to the user. But it's different from a virus in some way, well, right? I thought, I thought virus was malware. I don't know. I've always heard them used differently. Like that, um, that malware is more of like they can take control of your computer perhaps remotely well, or a virus do other nasty could, things. A virus could do that too. I knew someone who made, who programmed a, uh, I think it's a remote access toolkit or mm. RAT and basically... If they, he would have it masquerade as a video game hack, and when you mm-hmm. downloaded it and ran the EXE, it would give you two options. One, to say, yes, I'd like my computer to run it, or no. If you clicked yes, he would have access to your computer and it would be a zombie. If you clicked no, it would 
like just replace all your data over time with random bytes oh, God. It, would, it would like re- rearrange the mouse so if you right click it clicks if, and it would just ruin your computer oh wow you know that you knew that guy yeah yeah he was he was <laughs> in a grade below me what's he doing now graduating believe it or not by the uh let's see here according to the story such as the scale of the cia's undertaking that by 2016 its hackers had utilized more code than that used to run Facebook. The CIA had created, in effect, its own NSA with even less accountability and without publicly answering the question as to whether such a massive budgetary spend on duplicating the capacities of a rival agency could be justified. In a statement to WikiLeaks, the source details policy questions that they say urgently need to be debated in public, including whether the CIA's hacking capabilities exceed its mandated powers and the problem of public oversight of the agency. The source wishes to initiate a public debate about the security, creation, use, proliferation, and democratic control of cyber weapons. Once one of these single cyber weapons is loose, it can spread around the world in seconds to be used by rival states, cyber mafia, and teenage hackers alike. Julian Assange, the editor of WikiLeaks, stated, quote, There is an extreme proliferation risk in the development of cyber weapons. Comparisons can be drawn between the uncontrolled proliferation of such weapons, which results in the inability to contain them, combined with their high market value and global arms trade. You know, it's what they're pointing out here is if you've got an actual bomb, there's only one of those, right? If you if you build a bomb, there's a bomb. You keep it secret somewhere. You keep it in a you know lockbox, some sort of locked facility under armed guards, and it's very unlikely that some other enemy state or uh, mafia group is going to be able to breach that security and take the bomb for themselves. But with cyber weapons it's just code you can copy that code endlessly it's you know no shortage of supply in this particular case it can all fit on a one flash drive so it's not hard to get that flash drive out of a secure facility or copy it you know over the internet somewhere and you know we know that's what happened with edward snowden where he just loaded up a drive or uh, uh, chelsea manning loading up information and smuggling it out of a facility so not hard to do that uh, and then once it's out there, it you know that cat's out of the bag. You can't you can't put it back in. Story here continues. Uh, the significance of Year Zero, however, goes well beyond the choice between cyber war and cyber peace. The disclosure is also exceptional from a political, legal, and forensic perspective. WikiLeaks has carefully reviewed the disclosure and published substantive CIA documentation while avoiding the distribution of armed cyber weapons until a consensus emerges on the technical and political nature of their program and how those weapons should be analyzed, disarmed, and published. WikiLeaks has also decided to redact and anonymize some identifying information for in-depth analysis. These redactions include tens of thousands of CIA targets and attack machines throughout Latin America, Europe, and the United States. While we are aware of the imperfect results of any approach chosen, we remain committed to our publishing model and note the quantity of pages published in Vault 7 Part 1, a.k.a. Year Zero, already eclipses the total number of pages published over the first three years of the Edward Snowden NSA leaks. So this is a huge release. And I'm sure that there are people all over the Internet right now who are parsing through this 8,000 plus pages to see exactly what's inside. I mean, WikiLeaks probably has some idea because they've been looking over it for a period of time, but it is also to some extent up to the internet to really uh, vet this information, to really look at it and see 
what what sort of information can we glean from it? What's the most important uh, data? In fact, Reason.com already has four takeaways from the WikiLeaks Vault 7 CIA leak. And uh, that is that, number one, that the CIA developed malware for iPhone and Android, as well as Windows, OS X, Linux, and Internet servers. Which is very interesting because Linux is supposed to be a very secure system. Now, I'm sure it is, it's much more secure than Windows just based on the way that it works, but it's interesting that they've, they've managed to develop malware for that. According to WikiLeaks, the documents show that the CIA has a specialized unit specifically for stealing data from Apple products like the iPhone and the iPad, another unit for Google's Android mobile operating system. These units create malware based on so-called zero-day exploits that the companies that develop the compromised systems are not aware of. While after the Edward Snowden disclosures, the Obama administration promised to share such exploits when agencies discovered them, WikiLeaks says the documents it released show that has not been the case. No. You mean the government promised to be honest about future hacking attempts and and leaks and they just, they didn't follow through on their promise? We'll continue with the four takeaways from this 8,000 pages, which I'm sure we're barely scratching the surface of. And you can comment as well at 855-450-FREE. It's Free Talk Live. We invite you to join us here on the radio waves. You can take control of the airwaves and uh, bring up anything that you want. With you tonight, it's Ian. And Vincent. And we've got Skype. You can Skype in at username lrn.fm. We also have the toll-free numbers, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We're getting uh, somewhat in-depth on this CIA leak. I mean, there's only so much in-depth that you can do. On the radio with 8,000 plus documents uh, to comb through. Thankfully, some people have already taken a look at some of it, and I'm sure we're going to see all kinds of revelations still to come because WikiLeaks uh, has now, you know, they've released these 8,000 CIA related hacking documents revealing all kinds of what will be shocking information to a number of people, namely that they have been able to uh, hack into iPhones, Androids, Windows, uh, Samsung televisions, and apparently even Linux, uh, as well as OS X. So big, big news here, and it's only the beginning with just part one. So these 8,700 plus documents are part one of a multi-part release from the CIA, And I'm sure CIA is not very happy about this news coming out. We can talk more about it coming up here uh, in moments. And you can join us as well at 855-450-FREE. Let me finish up with point one on the four takeaways from Reason.com on the very first set of uh, releases. WikiLeaks says these documents that it really show that it has not been the case. What has not been the case is that the Obama administration that promised to share exploits as the National Security Agency discovered them, that didn't happen. And, of course, the Trump administration also has not shared that information. So, of course, the government's not going to do what they promised to do. Of course, they're going to continue to lie to you, even after they've been caught red-handed doing illegal things, as the NSA was doing. They will continue to do illegal things. They will continue to ignore whatever rules they have set for themselves, because there's no consequence When the government breaks its own rules, when you break the government rules, you go to prison or, you know, have to pay tremendous fines or whatever. 
But when they break their own rules, well, there's no problem for them. It's a little, maybe a slap on the hand, a little naughty governments. You need to, you need to shape up, Mister NSA. We caught you, bad, bad NSA. I, I mean, think, that's the best. <laughs> I think the difference, one slight difference, is a president. If they do something like what what Nixon did or what it was accused of, they have they could get impeached or they could get stepped down. This, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, as people talk about the deep state recently, this is the deep state. No one knows who's really in charge there. No, you know, no yeah, one knew. Yeah, it's a secret program. The CIA had its and these inter, these agencies they they fight each other all the time. I remember when uh, Snowden first did his thing. A theory was that he was actually because he had some ties to the CIA, but it was just interagency uh, fighting, and you know the CIA blamed the NSA for the prison program just so people could focus like, oh, the NSA is spying on everyone, while the CIA had their own version of the NSA. So it's like, you know, like figuratively like a Bond movie villain type stuff here. It's crazy. It's spooky. Uh, a little bit more here from part one, and then we'll get to the uh, second, third, and fourth here in a moment. Uh, according to the story at Reason.com, such hoarding, as is noted by WikiLeaks, has been long noted by critics of cyber war tactics, can exacerbate security risks and exploit any exploit the CIA can use to compromise a U.S. system. Foreign powers can also. The malware, This all they have to do is have a spy in the CIA, and then there goes all your secret hacking tools. The malware the CIA has developed for iPhones and Androids allow, according to WikiLeaks, the CIA, quote, to bypass the encryption of WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram, Weibo, Confide, and Cloakman by hiding, and I'm sure that's a limited list, there's probably more, by hacking the smartphones that they run on and collecting audio and message traffic before the encryption is applied. Now, Edward Snowden had recommended Signal as a good encryption app. And we have said on the air here on Free Talk Live, Signal's a good app, it's open source, it's encryption. It's better than nothing. But ultimately, you should never consider that what you're doing on your smartphone is completely secure. You should never consider that completely secure. Because even if you did have some sort of unhackable system, and obviously you don't, but even if it was, even if Signal was unhackable, even if this CIA tools were unable to break through, then if, the, if there's a human weakness in the chain, you've got a problem. So if the other person who you're talking to leaves their phone unlocked and you can just walk up, pick it off a table and turn the power on and read all of their signal conversations, all the encryption in the world isn't going to you know, secure you there. So there are always problems with these security systems. But we should also keep in mind that whatever it is that's being presented as secure probably isn't uh, even to the point of you know doing PGP, which I think PGP is probably the best bet as far as security is concerned. But once again, if there's some sort of monitoring system on your operating system that's watching you as you type the message that you then go and encrypt, it's done no good. So beware of these people and keep that in mind. Uh, going on here. So again, they've hacked the smartphones before the encryption is applied. Now that doesn't mean the CIA has cracked the encryption of any specific application, but rather that it has made those encryption obsolete for phones and that it's able to compromise with its malware. According to WikiLeaks, other CIA efforts target Microsoft Windows, Linux, and internet infrastructure as well as web servers. WikiLeaks also details efforts by the CIA to develop a fake off mode to use on Samsung smart televisions in order to turn them into effective surveillance devices, as well as conceptual efforts toward taking remote control of smart vehicles. 
And anybody who's ever noticed this in the last decade plus, you ever notice how when you turn a device off, there's always a light that comes on? I mean, you haven't cut the power to that device. The, the, the device still has some level of power that it's operating at. It's just a significantly lowered power level. The main functions of the device are presumably uh, you know, not being activated at that moment. But clearly the CIA can make it look like your device is turned off when, in fact, the microphone is still operating. And you mentioned smart vehicles. There's this, you know, obviously it's, it's a conspiracy theory, but uh, Michael Hastings was a journalist who he got into a mysterious car crash, and then it turned. Oh, no. and, yeah, and he had a smart car, and it turns out, oh, you know, after he got into the crash, he was, oh, I'm on the run from the government. Uh, he's going into hiding, and his friends all said, you know, it's, it, it was extremely fishy. And he so had he survived these, the crash. No, he died. He died. Yes. And yes. And so the speculation is that somebody who didn't want him around doing the, whatever investigation of a government, yeah, they hacked into his, uh, the you know, the Internet of Things as they call it, and they disabled something in his car, and he. Well, they could probably died. see that you know, oh, he's driving on the interstate, yeah. and he's going seventy miles an hour, and we're just going to swing the wheel to you know this direction, and then. Psh, yeah, they have like tracking chips in cars that. Some you know people in in you know like divorce relationships or whatever the um the wife would get the GPS coordinates of mm-hmm. all the places her ex husband was at and right. it's it's crazy right you're being tracked everywhere. Let's go to Clayton in Oklahoma City. You can take control of the airwaves, Clayton. What's on your mind tonight, guys? I just wanted to call in and complain. Uh, my property taxes here in Oklahoma County are going up. Uh-oh. Uh oh, very soon. Yeah, and the uh, the frustrating reason. Uh, that it's going up is uh, it's a settlement that the county made mm. uh, in a death lawsuit against one of their uh, sheriff's deputies. What did they do this time? Well, the uh, the officer was traveling at 108 miles per hour uh, down the freeway with no lights, no sirens, and slammed into the back of a civilian. Whoa. Killed him. Yeah, yeah. So tragic tragic death for the fellow um family sued for wrongful death they were awarded a settlement of half a million dollars it's being passed along to us as taxpayers in this county uh and then the the real kicker is this is the second time that this sheriff's deputy uh had had done that uh, oh my gosh first time it, yeah first time nobody died um but yeah slammed into the back of somebody while traveling excessive rates of speed on the freeway um so the, the the guy, the deputy, he's receiving uh, four weeks suspended without pay, a $250 fine, and was convicted of misdemeanor involuntary manslaughter. <laughs> Insane. Yeah. Yeah, so so there's there's that. Yeah, I mean, that's frustrating. And this isn't, of course, you know, unique to Oklahoma. Uh, this happens all over the place where in the few times and it barely it's very rare that somebody can get a, a, a judgment against a police department or a city uh, for some sort of malfeasance and or violence or whatever. But every now and then it does happen. And it's almost never the individual officer themselves that is held responsible um, beyond more than just a slap on the hand, they don't have to pay the million dollars or whatever the uh, you know the the outlay is. It's the taxpayers who end up having to foot the bill, and that, in my opinion, is something that needs to change. That is something that could change at a legislative level. If they wanted to, they could repeal things like 
you know, the governmental immunities that they have, sovereign immunities, etc. Uh, but of course, it would take some sort of significant sea change in attitude amongst state representatives in order for that to happen. If you got more and you want to share, Clayton, you're welcome to. Uh, of course, one of the solutions is to move to New Hampshire and join us here. We're coming up. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warder. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farms, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com Free Talk Live It's Free Talk Live. We're launching into the second hour of the program. You can join us here toll-free at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We are going to get back into Vault 7, the what for some people will be shocking revelations uh, about CIA hacking against maybe your computer. Uh, you know, they're going to be able to, or they have been able to, break into people's iPhones, Androids. Apparently, they're hacking Windows and Linux uh, and elsewhere. I haven't looked through the 8,000 pages, but there's 8,700 pages plus uh, in this first release. This is part one of what will be a series of releases, apparently, from WikiLeaks Vault 7. This is year zero, is what they're calling this one. Uh, did I say 8,000? 7,000, 800, whatever. Or, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of uh, of documents here, and, uh, and the, you know, the information we're going to... Well, no, okay. I'm sorry. WikiLeaks says 8,761. Reason, apparently, transposed a couple numbers saying 7,800 and whatever. Anyway, it's a lot of damn documents. It's Ian and Vincent here with you. We're going to get back into that, but uh, let's go back to your calls and thoughts first. Clayton is in Oklahoma City. He's frustrated with the increase in property taxes there after a police officer rammed into the back of somebody's car on the interstate doing 108 miles an hour, killing the occupant of the vehicle they crashed into. This was the second time said officer was driving like a maniac and got caught for it. He got a slap on the hand. What was the sentence for the officer again, Clayton? We had a, he has two years probation. He had misdemeanor, um, misdemeanor uh, involuntary manslaughter and a $250 fine. He's still an employee of the county. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Oh, he was suspended four weeks without pay, so he, he lost out on a month's salary. Wow. And uh, so, once again, very rare that the government police will suffer any kind of serious consequences for something that if you or I had behaved in that way, uh, we'd be you know hung on high, basically. And you're frustrated about your taxes going up, uh, but really, there's not much you can do besides complain, right? Yeah, that's, that's it. And I, I feel conflicted too, right? Because I, I feel really bad for the family that, that lost the, the person that was killed senselessly. And so I'm happy for them that they're getting at least some kind of compensation or some kind of mm-hmm. uh, something to make up for it. But, man, I wish it wasn't taken out of my pocket. It's, I really feel conflict there. Well, I guess all you can do is pack up and leave. 
Well, I, I was wondering if you were going to make that New Hampshire pitch. Uh, so, yeah, you did on both sides of the break. Well, of course I, I'm going to do that. I mean, because that's what libertarians should do, is they should co- concentrate sure. their uh, their numbers in one place so we can actually, oh, I don't know, let's say change the system to where government bureaucrats are responsible for their behavior. I think that'd be a nice change. That'd be a nice piece of legislation to pass. Hey, I don't disagree with you. I'm on, I'm on board with that. Um, I do have one more question for you. Uh, Curious to know how the world passport worked out for you in Mexico City. Oh, yeah, good question. So uh, the world passport is uh, something that was issued by the World Service Authority. I have had one now for a few years, and it was my second time trying it at an international uh, location. I tried it once in Canada, so I was trying to cross into uh, Quebec province, and it didn't work there. They would not accept it. They took the driver's license that I had, and they still didn't let me in because I've got a criminal record, and so now I'll get charged with a felony if I try to go back to Canada. Uh, Mexico didn't have the same level of standards for criminal record. They didn't care at all about uh, about you know what if they even knew that I had a, a criminal record, which is all based on civil disobedience. For those who are new to the show, I haven't actually hurt anybody. But no, no uh, felonies or anything like that. No, I don't have any. I don't have any felonies. Um, and so I'm. Uh, we get off the in Mexico City, which I'd never been to Mexico before, and I had a U.S. passport and I had a world passport. And uh, let's see, you get off the plane, which this was the most Byzantine, confusing, like airport situation I've ever experienced. But then again, I've never done international travel in an airport before. So apparently what I experienced was relatively common uh, where you get off the plane. They have you walk into like through these tunnels, these fairly lengthy tunnels. You then come out into a, an area in which you wait in a line where you go to a desk. There are multiple desks set up. Some are open, some are closed. You go to one of the ones that's open. There's a bureaucrat sitting there. They look at your passport. They stamp a, uh, a form that you filled out when you were on the plane. They hand you a form. Uh, they stamp that form, and they let you into the country. And it's actually a relatively quick process. Uh, at least for me, it, it was. There was no questioning whatsoever. It only took it took a little bit longer because the first thing I did was I handed the bureaucrat the world passport, and I said, "Do you accept the world passport?" And she looked at it. She looked confused, uh, and I said, "Well, I also have a U.S. passport." And she looked at the world passport. She looked at the U.S. passport. She looked at the world passport. She goes, "U.S." takes the U.S. passport, stamp, stamp. And let me in. So that uh, that was my experience with a world passport. Oh man, I was I was a little worried you were going to get kicked out. I had a friend that was denied entry into uh, Mexico uh, in Cancun because his passport pages were uh, were somewhat damaged. Really? And so they actually, yeah, they told him, uh, "Sorry, we can't let you in." And wow. Directed him right back on a return flight. Wow. Wouldn't even let him say goodbye to his family who'd already cleared customs. That's crazy. Um, you know, I, I think it would be interesting to, if somebody had the time and the inclination to do it, to do it, to just try to go with just the world passport and see what happens. <laughs> but you know, I'm on business, uh, and I was already being hassled by uh, Renee, who was my company on the trip. She was worried I was going to get arrested and like all kinds of bad things were going to happen. And I'm like, look, this is not going to be a big deal. I have the U.S. passport. It's not like that's going to be a problem um and and it wasn't it wasn't a big deal at all i mean this this bureaucrat could have cared less now the uh couldn't have cared less anyway the uh, f- the f- the customs officials or uh, canadian border patrol cbp i think it is uh i might yeah, be wrong about that harsh 
No, no, no. They weren't harsh at all. They were uh, super nice, actually. The Canadian Border oh, Patrol. Man, I got, got it, cursed it, out in Canada by Border Patrol. Huh. It's a whole different story. Well, I mean, you roll the yeah. dice when it comes to bureaucrats, yeah. but uh, my experience with Canadian Bureau, uh, Border Patrol, I've had two experiences. One back in like 2008 when I went there uh, for, I uh, went to Toronto. That was fine. I mean, it was no big deal getting into the country there. In this case, they were very, very nice about denying my entry into the country. They were aware of what the world passport was, unlike this bureaucrat in Mexico who didn't really seem to know anything about it. She was like, oh, U.S., stamp, stamp, you're in. Um, And the interesting thing about Mexico is that they give you this piece of paper when you go down there, and it's like the bottom portion of the form that, that you fill out. And you're supposed to have that piece of paper when you leave Mexico. So you get 180 days that you can stay in Mexico. And then after that point or somewhere within that point, you're supposed to leave at some point And you present them with that paper in order to get out of the country. But the thing is, if you don't have that paper, they just fine you. That's it. Like there's not really any from, – from what I'm told by people that, that live down there, there's not actually any other consequence beyond, oh – well, you've just got to pay now. You lost the piece of paper. We have no idea how long you've been in this country. <laughs> well, here, just pay this relatively small fine and have a nice day. <laughs> so it's pretty easy to go down there and just kind of live for as long as you want to without any real consequence. I mean, I suppose if you get caught by the police and you don't have the right paperwork, that could maybe cause you a problem. They might deport you or something like that. But uh, we... we yeah, we know people who've been down there for years and they've never left. So, I mean, in theory, you could be legal by leaving every 180 days. You could go to Guatemala or back into the United States for like a day and then come back to Mexico for another 180 days and you'd be completely legal. Uh, but if you just want to stay there illegally, it's just a fine. <laughs> so anyway, thanks, Clayton, yeah. for the call tonight, man. Yep, you guys have a good night. I appreciate night. hearing from you. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I'd never... Uh, done international air travel before. I've traveled uh, on a boat. I went on a cruise when I was a kid once down to like the Bahamas or something, which was boring. It was basically like being in Florida. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I went to Canada, as I said, but that was across the border, just going directly across the border. This was the first time I'd actually flown in. So anyway, uh, you're welcome to comment. Toll-free number here, 855-453. That's 855-450-3733. And uh, Mexico, at the very least, Acapulco, was was very nice. I, I enjoyed it. 855-453. We got more from the CIA leak coming up. Four takeaways, as uh, specified by Reason.com. And maybe you've seen something you want to share. You're welcome to join us here. Also, you can Skype in at username lrn.fm. This is Free Talk Live. Talk Live. Join us right here, toll free, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. As we continue with you in the studio, it's Ian. And Vincent. Uh, Back to your phone calls and thoughts. Also, the CIA leak, we got more to talk about with that. I mean, this is a big deal, and we're not done with it. So we'll get back into that. Want to let you know about how to uh, start your own blog or website. Maybe you've been thinking about doing that. But you haven't gotten around to it yet? All right, time to get off the fence because we've got 50% off of the regular prices over at HostGator. It's one of the top hosting companies out there, and it's a special offer for you as a Free Talk Live listener. They make it easy to start up your own website with a simple one-click, easy installation for WordPress. 
They've also got 24-7 over-the-phone or live chat tech support and an intuitive and user-friendly control panel that puts the power of creation and the simplicity of use into your hands. They've also got a 99.99% uptime rating, so you don't have to worry about outages. With HostGator, you go to HostGator.com slash FTL. That's how you get 50% off, 5-0, 50% off of their regular prices. HostGator.com slash FTL. As we continue here, Dave is in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dave. Boys, girls, and assorted malcontent, I have uh, uh, some follow-up for you. Uh, actually, I'm following up on something you guys have been doing. Okay. Uh, you know how you keep talking about Daryl's Liberty Lobby? Yeah, Liberty Lobby. We were just in Concord again today, Daryl and I, and Heather. Thank you. Uh, uh, what I've been doing is I've started looking at uh, just going to the site. I guess it's libertylobby.xyz, is that right? Uh, that's the one he originally registered. He's been promoting libertylobby.info recently. Okay. So that's where I went today mm-hmm. uh, for the first time. I've been meaning to get around to it. And uh, immediately I saw something there that was worth calling local talk radio about. So I found a bill that... Uh, I guess it's just been ITL'd, which means the committee voted no. It's a bill that would uh, put restrictions on this thing we've been complaining about all the time, the bureaucrats going in on company time, you know, or on taxpayers' money, using the taxpayers' dime to go in and testify in favor of getting more of the taxpayers' dime. They sure do. They do it all the time. Every week, bureaucrats pack the state house and demand bigger government more money and more rules, and it's 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 outrageous, and it's really frustrating. You can't. It's like you can't cross the hall without tripping over one of them. Yep. Uh, and we, but we have to pay to be there. You know, we have to take the day off work in many cases, uh, or uh, otherwise pay for it. And yeah, and so, t- today uh, was an entire day. I mean, it wasn't even the busiest day in Concord. Like there were only a handful of hearings, but the ones that we went to were like a couple hours long each. And we blew an entire day at the state house. That I could have been making calls for to radio stations for Free Talk Live, but I couldn't do it while I was in a hearing room. Yeah, well, you're not doing it in a vacuum. Uh, people are starting to watch, or at least I am, and I hope other people will too. Uh, so there's a there's a radio show in I guess it's in Henniker that uh, lets you call in on, on the weekdays. You you can call in during the afternoon, and they'll they'll let you change the topic, basically, uh-huh. like Free Talk Live does. And so I called them about this. They seemed to be happy to hear the call, and hopefully the – I mean, I don't know. I, I, I've skimmed the bill, but I haven't uh, looked at it closely enough to say I can actually support it, because I think you got to support everything in it if you're going to support it, but – um, there, there's definitely well, that's not necessarily true. I mean, you can if you go to one of these these hearings. Uh, for people that don't know, in New Hampshire, the state house has to hear every single bill. So every proposal, uh, none of it can be sidelined. They have to have a public hearing on everything, which means they have to hear the opinions of anybody who's interested to come speak to them. And you can go in there and you can say, "Well, I support the bill except for," and then tell them what you don't like. Uh, or I oppose this bill, but I do like that you've done this. So uh, frequently we'll do that, where the bill has a good intention, but maybe the language isn't particularly good, and we'll try to clear it up for them. And in some cases, we've seen that that has had a positive influence. For instance, the Bitcoin bill that's going to be voted on this week 
uh, had an amendment put into it that absolutely took the suggestions into play that were made at the public hearing by the few members. It was only a handful of Bitcoiners who showed up, but just those handful made an impact. So um, I think I think people need to learn that in New Hampshire, you can actually make a difference. I, I realize that people are frustrated with politics and they, they don't believe that it, it works. And in most places, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And it's a waste of time. But in New Hampshire, you really can have some level of impact on these politicians because they're more like average people here than in other states. There are 400 of them. And so they're, each one of them has you know, relatively small power. They don't have much power. They, pay, they get paid $100 per year, uh, plus a small gas stipend. Many of these people have real jobs or businesses that they go to. Um, this is not their real career. This is just something they're doing because they want to try to make things better. And if you can give them an idea of some way to make what they have already proposed better, a lot of them will actually listen. That's been my experience. Dave? For once in my life, I have nothing to add. <laughs> okay, man. Uh, thanks for calling tonight. Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com. You keep up the good work out there. And, you know, one thing that we do need is more people doing this stuff. We need to have more because, you know, Daryl and I are in a unique position. We basically do activism full time. I mean, Free Talk Live is essentially an activist project. It's a project of the Shire Free Church where you know, our mission is to spread the ideas of liberty and peace as far and as wide as we can. So we can take off time from that as as we like and go and do other activist stuff like going to the state house as we're doing. Vincent, you've been there uh, at least yeah. once yeah. That, that I can recall. Uh, but, you know, you go to school. You don't have a whole bunch of time that you can devote to this. The average person probably is working during the week. They can't go at 9 a.m. or whatever, which is why Daryl has formed this Liberty Lobby LLC, LibertyLobby.info is where you can go to learn more about it. If you like the idea of real principled liberty-minded people speaking to the state house on a regular week-after-week basis, we're there every week, then you can contribute to Daryl's efforts. Now, I don't get a piece of it. I'm just there as a volunteer. I'm just there because I you know, want to help Daryl. Uh, I run the camera. Sometimes I testify. So I testified today on a bill that would close a loophole on farmer's markets which would make it so that farmers markets who are doing like a, a, a wine tasting or some sort of beer tasting or something like that would have to pay a tax. Now, they're supposed to pay the tax, but there's a loophole that gets that makes it so they don't have to. So some of them probably are, but if somebody's not, then it's not illegal at this point. So they're trying to close that loophole. I went up there and said, you need to, this, you know, this is the wrong direction. You need to leave these farmers alone and you need to abolish the liquor commission. So I used that opportunity to not only oppose the bill itself, but to make a statement against the entire bureaucracy that it has to deal with. And one of the state reps, they, they get, get to question you after you're done with whatever two-minute speech or whatever you're going to give, and they get to ask questions. So one of them you know, shot back, well, are you saying you want to get rid of the Liquor Enforcement Division as well? I'm like, well, yeah. Uh, get rid of the whole thing. Look, if you want to have a local town ordinance, that's one thing. The Keene police in Keene are the ones who enforce that stuff. For the most part, it's very rare you'll see the liquor cops uh, in downtown Keene, and they usually just go and enforce in the bars and try to bust the bars for serving people. Uh, you don't see them like pulling over the college kids or you know stopping a college girl on the street and making her cry as you're ticketing her, which I've seen happen more than once over an open container. So I don't support open container ordinances, but you don't need a liquor commission to have those things. More coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. 
DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. With you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Vincent. Uh, We are talking about the CIA. We're going to get back into that. You, of course, can take control and bring up anything you want. Skype username is lrn.fm. If you like Free Talk Live and you want to help support the show, but also get your shopping done at the same time, then just go to shop.freetalklive.com. It's easy. Go to shop.freetalklive.com. There are links there to Amazon Canada, Amazon US, Amazon UK. And then you just go and get your shopping done as you normally would in Free Talk Live benefits because Amazon cuts us a portion of the sale because we sent them the business that otherwise they would just keep it all for themselves. But if you go through shop.freetalklive.com, it helps Free Talk Live. So... Let's get back into it here. Uh, The story here, for those of you just tuning in, about the CIA and thousands of documents and files being released in what's called Vault 7 by WikiLeaks.org. Great website, of course. We've uh, been big fans of WikiLeaks' work. They're probably doing some of the most important, shining the light on the cockroaches in the entire world, I would say. And they pointed out that this particular treasure trove of information is even larger than three years' worth of Snowden releases. So, uh, And you said Snowden's been actually tweeting about this, so maybe we'll highlight some of his tweets if there's anything worth sharing. Uh, Vincent's got that. It'll pull up for us here in a little bit. But uh, big news here. What they're finding out is that the CIA has been hacking people. And that uh, they've basically been competing with the NSA, that they've got similar tools, hacking tools, for instance, malware, uh, zero-day exploits, weaponized zero-day exploits, viruses and Trojans, uh, and apparently they've lost control of it. So they had those things that they had developed for their own use, and then it got out into the wild, which means that any other government around the world might be able to get their hands on it, or private criminals might be able to get their hands on these tools and possibly hack your phone. As Reason.com has pointed out here in their four takeaways from the WikiLeaks Vault 7 CIA leak, they say that they've been able to compromise uh, Google's Android, Apple's iPhone and iPad, They've also been apparently hacking uh, Windows as well as, uh, let's see, Linux. Oh, uh, let's see. Well, also, there was something else. Uh, not iOS. Well, yes, iOS, but uh, OSX. That was the other one. Uh, the CIA was able to bypass the encryption of WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram, Weibo, Confide, and Cloakman by hacking the phone and collecting the audio and message traffic before the encryption was applied. So as you're typing in the message that you think is going to be encrypted to your friend before you hit send or right as you hit send, basically that information before it gets goes through the encryption process is sent off to the CIA or could be if they're using their hacking tools on your phone. 
Back to uh, the story here from Reason.com. This is the number two. So number one on the list was that they were they were hacking your phones and your, your operating systems. Number two is that the CIA has a menu of hacking tools for its assets to use, as well as fingerprints of other states. A questionnaire under the program called Fine Dining allows the CIA case officers to identify their specific needs and receive hacking tools tailored to them. The list of possible targets include asset, liaison asset, system administrator, foreign information operations, foreign intelligence agencies, and foreign government entities. Notably absent, WikiLeaks points out, is any reference to extremists or transnational criminals. The CIA's Umbridge Group also keeps a substantial library of attack techniques stolen from malware produced in other states. Uh, WikiLeaks notes helpfully adding that includes Russia. Such a library of digital fingerprints, which WikiLeaks compares to a distinctive knife wound, could help misdirect attribution. Questions over just how Russia-specific purported Russia-specific telltale signs in the DNC hacks were fuel of much of the suspicion about the certainty of the accusations against Russia. So this basically means if they want to hack someone, they could frame Russia or some foreign government by Correct. doing it. I remember there was uh, some some hack uh, a, a while ago, and they were like, oh, this was clearly done by Russian hackers because they used a Cyrillic keyboard, and this for Wagos, my memory's rusty, and people pointed out, well, if a Russian, why would they use a Cyrillic keyboard for, you know, for, for programming or anything? Most likely they'd be using an, uh, you know, English keyboard. Mm-hmm. So that was that was lazy. so it's been done before, but that that case it seems someone got lazy. But and so now you have you know in case you needed the evidence that the CIA can pretend to be another country, uh, now you've got that evidence in this release from WikiLeaks. Again, part one, we don't even know what's coming soon. Number three on the list of Reason.com takeaways from the WikiLeaks first leak from uh, this treasure trove of documents vault seven as it is called number three the archive wikileaks release was likely passed around among former u.s hackers and contractors wikileaks warns that the cia lost control of the majority of its hacking malware uh, or attacking arsenal including malware viruses trojans weaponized zero-day exploits malware remote control systems and associated documentation and that the documents it was publishing had received or it had received from a former U.S. government hacker or contractor, a community within which the documents had been previously circulated. There is extreme proliferation risk in the development of cyber weapons, WikiLeaks noted in its press release. Comparisons can be drawn between the uncontrolled proliferation of such weapons, which results in the inability to contain them, combined with their high market value and the global arms trade. According to WikiLeaks, the documents it released were not considered classified information because the nature of malware requires code to be left on target computers. Handling classified information in such a way is prohibited. That's kind of an interesting detail. I didn't realize that. If they're putting their code on your computer, then it's technically not classified because they're giving it away from that perspective. And finally, number four on their list of things you need to know, the CIA appears to have duplicated the NSA's cyber warfare efforts to avoid information sharing. According to WikiLeaks, for years the CIA had been developing its own substantial fleet of hackers, one that had freed it from having to disclose its controversial operations to the NSA. The CIA, WikiLeaks explains, had created its own NSA with even less accountability and without publicly answering the question as to whether such a a massive budgetary spend on duplicating the capacities of a rival agency could be justified. It calls to mind, says Reason, 
The quote from the 1996 film Contact, quote, first rule in government spending, why build one when you can have two at twice the price, especially if it's a secret? Well, it's not a secret anymore. And as I said, you know, this is just the beginning of this. There are 8,000 documents and files here that have been released. Who knows what else is in there? I'm sure we're going to be finding out over the next week. We'll bring you more information as we learn it here on Free Talk Live. Vincent, are you surprised by uh, by any of this? No, you know, not not to sound arrogant or anything, but I thought a lot of this was, you know, common knowledge already. Not the specifics of it or the fact that, you know, the, the CIA had it. I was surprised that the CIA had its own NSA, mm-hmm. but I, I've, you know, ever since the original Snowden leaks, I've always been somewhat, like, somewhat, um, aware that they're listening to everything and even before that you know when i was i don't know if it's just some weird paranoia trait in me but you know i just always assumed that the government was always watching always looking at everything like uh, you know 1984 or they live but i think this is good i don't know how much it's being reported on by like cnn or fox or you know mainstream media i'm i I'm not saying there's a cover-up, but I don't know if you recall back when some of the earlier WikiLeaks during the election, someone on CNN said, oh, you're not allowed to, as a civilian, you're not allowed to look at this. You have to wait till CNN yeah, or one of right. us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so I think it's good. Yeah, you know, I think WikiLeaks is doing a lot of great work because it's like crowd, sort of like crowdsourcing or crowdfunding information. You don't have to go through, you know, these uh, mainstream media who suck up to the government. You have right. like thousands of people on Reddit and 4chan and 8chan going through like civil, you know, people on their own time going through thousands of documents and it's, You're you know, crowdsourcing it's like a, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like a marketplace of ideas. So it's a free marketplace of ideas. So I think this is a, a really good thing. This is getting published in big places. So New York Times has it uh, the Telegraph in the UK has it, and I'm, I'm just glancing here at uh, at the Google News search. So where else it's popping up? Uh, ABC Online, apparently. So a lot of different kind of major well, let's publications. let's see what spin they put on it. The toll-free number here is 855-450-FREE. You can join us here on the radio. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Dial toll-free. Join us right here. Our number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We do have Skype, and you can Skype in here at username lrn.fm. With you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Vincent. So, I don't know what else there is to say at this moment on Vault 7, the CIA revelations that are just beginning to come out. But if you've got something you want to add, you can join us here. Uh, Skype username lrn.fm, toll-free number 855-450-FREE. Vincent, was there more that you know you wanted to share? Is, is, does Snowden have something yes. interesting to say about He this? has a chain of tweets. He tweeted this out eight hours ago, and it's okay. um, the first tweet is PSA, and he, he, he replies to the WikiLeaks, um, Vault 7. says, the WikiLeaks initial tweet says, Hashtag Vault 7. Confirm CIA can effectively bypass Signal plus Telegram plus WhatsApp plus Confide encryption. Yep. Edward Snowden replies, PSA, this incorrectly implies CIA hacked those apps slash encryption. But the docs show iOS, Android are what got hacked, a much bigger problem. Right. Still working through the publication, but what WikiLeaks has here is a genuinely big deal. Looks authentic. What makes mm. this look real? Program and office names such as uh, JQJ, IOC, Crypt Series are real. Only a cleared insider could know them. 
If you're writing about the CIA at WikiLeaks story, here's a big deal. First public evidence, USG, which I assume stands for U.S. government, government secretly paying to keep U.S. software unsafe. And he has an image that I'm not even going to begin to read. And then finally, the last tweet I have. Paying? Is Hold on. That's crazy. So the government's paying presumably what? Apple and Google? I mean, who else could they be paying? Uh, he has a... Oh, goodness. Um, he... he, 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 he the, I'm obviously yeah. jumping to a conclusion there, but you know that sounds interesting. So you're paying to keep software. Unless, okay, from what I from what I've read in other people's takes on it, it's that instead of having their own key, right? Instead of a government having their own key, they just say, "All right, keep these, keep this certain loophole that we could get into, but also everyone else can." That's my interp- That's my and several others' interpretation of it. I haven't had time to go through the um re- the. The documents, yeah. and then finally he it's says here, still. the CIA reports show that the U.S. government developing vulnerabilities in U.S. products, then intentionally keeping the holes open, reckless beyond words. Mm. So I think that clears it up a bit. And these are still eight hours ago. He's been tweeting a lot recently, but I don't know if any of the rest of it is relevant. Well, feel free to uh, highlight anything with us here. You can dial in and join the conversation at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. If the operating system itself... In this case, uh, Google's Android or Apple's iOS. If the operating system is compromised, then you have no security. And of course, that's what Chris from Think Penguin, who we have on the show usually on Fridays, is when he joins us. But he's been saying that for a long time. He has been saying, "Look, you know, you don't, you know, any security that you have is is an illusion of security. If they've managed to compromise your your OS, then you're screwed." And I'm interested in hearing more about the Linux claims because uh reason and wikileaks have you know have said that there was linux hacking going on but it's you know always been presented to me that linux is like this unhackable thing or that it's very very difficult uh to hack so i suspect that people with windows or mac are at a at a greater risk especially windows windows is where you see all the viruses and uh, the malware targeting but if it's true that the CIA has somehow cracked into Linux, that's a pretty scary proposition. And I don't know how true that is. It's just that was included. Linux was included in the sort of laundry list of different uh, different operating systems that had been compromised. So if you've been digging further into this, then feel free. Dial in. Toll free. 855-450-FREE. Maybe we'll get Chris on here from Think Penguin uh, maybe, maybe at the end of the week after folks have had the bulk of the week to really kind of dig through this and learn exactly what it is that's been going on and and he can help shed some light on it uh in the meantime of course you can take control of the airwaves at 855 450 free uh as we continue here there's other news that of course is worthy of sharing with you and uh let's see there's a lot of stuff we can talk about here how about how about psychologists claiming that social media to sort of change gears completely that social media increases loneliness. You believe that one? Oh, big time, yeah. yeah. This story's from the BBC's Newsbeat. A report suggests that more than two hours of social media use per day doubles the chances of that person, that user, experiencing social isolation. That's kind of ironic, right? They call it social media, but if you're feeling depressed and isolated after using it, then it would seem to be having the opposite of its claimed effect. If it's indeed supposed to connect people, if it's supposed to help people you know, find one another and can communicate with uh, each other and be more social, 
But yet you, if you use it more often than the average person and you feel socially isolated as a result, then that could be a problem. Now, of course, correlation isn't necessarily causation. So do keep that in mind as we talk about this. The study looked at users of Instagram, Snapchat, as well as Tumblr and other social media. It's important to remember that uh, when you what you see on social media isn't necessarily the reason for you feeling bad, but it might be a factor. The study claims exposure to idealized representation of other people's lives may be causing feelings of envy. Put simply, it might just heighten the emotions that you're already feeling, but regardless... Um, there's no doubt that some people, we've touched on this before on Free Talk Live, that some people who are posting like all the happy things happening in their lives, if somebody's having a tough time in their life, if they just you know, broke up with their girlfriend or got broken up with or you know something bad has happened to a loved one, a family member or something like that, and you go online and you know all these people are going on vacations and they're showing pictures of you know all the happy times that they're having, that could probably cause some sort of juxtaposition and uh, and frustration i mean vincent you're the resident young guy on the show uh 18 years old so you've grown up with social media when was the first time you got on facebook or myspace or what was you do you remember do you remember what your first because for me i think it was probably myspace like more than a decade ago let's see it was around four years ago i'd say it was yeah, I'd say ex- around four years ago, I got on Facebook. You know, I was very yeah. You seem, like, that seems old for you know. For oh young yeah, oh, big today. time. Yeah, I never wanted to. Let's see. It was around 2007 that you that anyone could go on Facebook. You didn't need to be a college. That's student. correct. Yeah, they opened it up, and I didn't. Hmm. Yeah, I, I remember a lot of people having Facebooks and not me because I so was. So 07, you would have been t- like. What, uh, eight years old? Yeah, uh, yeah, right, eight or nine. Mm-hmm. And I was forced onto the internet and stuff because, you know, my parents are very paranoid about it. They, you know, both grew up in rural areas. You were forced onto the By internet. the government. <laughs> okay, yes, by the, the school. I didn't want an email. Oh. I didn't want any of this. The school's like, you need an email. I see. And before, and, you know, I wasn't, I was, I, in my opinion, I was too young and it had a tremendous impact on me. And so I got onto Facebook at the my my girlfriend at the time really wanted me on there okay i did and it's just been downhill from here until fun i i had several different facebooks that i you would quit recently you, yes i did. You got yes. off of facebook yes i did i i think it was like my second or third account i would eventually you know i'd either anger and uh, too many people with my political stuff or whatever mm-hmm. so i'm like yeah i better go into exile for a few weeks and i'd you know delete the account kudos to you man for being able to do that like i want to quit facebook and i've been kind of weaning myself off of it <laughs> And my my technique has been that I will use the little counter on the top right. So those who are familiar with Facebook, which is probably a good chunk of our audience because they have a huge um, huge audience themselves, there's a little globe that shows you an indicator number of how many notifications that you have. And so I will wait now to click that globe because I used to click it like an addict. Like as soon as there was one or two notifications, I'd click it and just what is it? What's it? What is it? What is it? Uh, and uh, and and now I wait. I've been up until just the other day. I was waiting until it was at five. So I went from from like one to five. And so if it's not at five, whatever it is, it's there. It's not important. I'm not going to click it. But it's going to build up eventually to five. So no matter what, you'll click on it. I will click on it at some point. But the the thing is. It's less time that I'm spending on the site because if I'm clicking on it every time there's one, 
I'm on the site, I'm clicking, I'm investigating whatever that, that link is. I might click on the, you know, the notification and get into, you know, whatever the discussion is. But if I have to wait for a half hour or an hour or three hours, because sometimes it takes me a little while because because also I'm running a uh, on my my main computer and laptop. I'm running a plugin that blocks notifications of likes. So when I get to five, it's actually like five things that are generally comments or something like that. So something more useful than just someone liked your post. I don't care about that. Yeah, you have thousands of friends too. I only no, don't. Had, I only have like a thousand. Oh, a thousand. I only yeah. had like uh, under a hundred at any given time. So uh, that has worked, I think, for me. And I just recently increased it from five to ten. So I'm kind of taking little baby, little baby <laughs> steps up there. And and today, when I was at the state house, it took like a couple few hours to get from zero to 10 so that was time when i didn't use facebook but i need to create another rule for myself where i don't use facebook at all if i don't have because i could what i was doing is i'd go on facebook and then i just click the feed and yeah. scroll the feed so even though the thing said 10 i wouldn't click or you know, if it wasn't up to five i wouldn't click the globe but i'd still still be using facebook so i need to just get off of it entirely just delete the thing man I can't because I've got the AMP group. You're I, strong enough. I gotta have. I gotta be in there for the AMP group. More coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. Hour three on the way. So the protection of life, liberty, and property is is what the Free State Project is all about. But it's an, it's an effort to move twenty thousand people who understand. It's about demonstrating to the entire country that yeah, we can have a free market, a truly free market, making it just a freer, great place to live. It's the world's largest voluntarist libertarian community and it's it's only getting bigger that's amazing to be able to move to a place where other people like passionately believe in being free and independent what the free state project is managing to do though is to put their money where their mouth is physically getting up across the country and saying let's go someplace and let's demonstrate the power of these ideas there's a lot of kind of philosophy that surrounds liberty there's a lot of thinking about it and talking about it but here in new hampshire people are doing it 101 Reasons Liberty Lives in New Hampshire, a documentary by Free State Project Early Movers. Watch it free at 101reasonsfilm.com. 101reasonsfilm.com. Free Talk Live. Hey, it's Free Talk Live. We're launching into the third hour of the program. You can take control of the airwaves. Tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Vincent. Our number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Let's go to your phone calls and thoughts. And then a little bit more about social isolation when it comes to so-called social media. Maybe you want to call in with your experience. You're welcome to do that. But first, we go to Robert. He's in Philadelphia. Hello, Robert. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. What's on your mind tonight? So I was having a debate with my stepbrother on minimum wage. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was advocating that minimum wage should be zero. And he was saying without government regulations, uh, businesses would collude with one another and uh, pay everyone a low amount. He was fighting Japan, but that's what they do in Japan. They all collude and keep all the workers at low rates. Uh, how do you feel about this? What's the validity of it? Yeah, I mean, it's, absur- it's absurd. I mean, it ignores uh, not only history, but human nature one thing well. Ab- one thing about Japan is, the, from what I hear, you know, they talk about youth unemployment, and it's because all the, um, the baby boomers or the salarymen, they, there's like a conspiracy or something. They all collude to keep younger people out of the market because Japan, they have a very different work ethic and culture than we have in the U.S. They save most of 
her money, right? While most people have like negative savings here. Mm-hmm. And so, the average American or, cannot cut a $500 check. Yeah, and in Japan, they save a lot of her money and they have a deflation issue because of it. So that's one, you know, one thing about Japan is, yeah, the, the baby boomers, they prevent the younger people from getting jobs there. Well, and also the okay. So let's let's look at the the claim. The claim is that uh, the, the companies are going to collude. They're going to create a cartel basically to uh, keep wages low. That's the claim, and it's based on nothing but fear and paranoia. The reality is, in a in an open marketplace, which you would have a more open marketplace without a minimum wage because you don't have to you know follow that government rule. That would likely suggest that there are other government rules that wouldn't be in place. Uh, so, you know, in a free market where anyone is free to start a business without having to ask government permission, then cartels can be easily broken by an outsider, but also cartels can be broken by people inside the cartel as well. So if somebody wants to get the best workers, one of the ways they do that is by paying more than the other companies. So if you want to have workers that are showing up on time, if you want to have workers that are clean, if you want to have workers that aren't drunk on the job, you know, there's all kinds of things that uh, a bad employee can can bring to a business that can make it not even worth having your doors open. Uh, you want to pay a little bit more. You want to provide better working conditions. I mean, this is part of the reason why working conditions have improved. Now, part of the also another part of the reason is because of strikes and workers, uh, you know, unionizing before the times when the government gave unions special privileges but uh you know if if workers got together and said hey you know we want to have air conditioning or we want to have a 40-hour work week or we want to have whatever it is that they want then in a lot of cases if they were good workers they got what they wanted because as long as you're free to take your labor somewhere else if you're not a slave laborer as long as you're free to walk out the door and go across the street or across town to a competitor then the business owner better heed your warnings they better heed your demands they better give something up or they're gonna lose you if you're a good worker so i mean the fact is that that's just based on on pure paranoia i mean it just doesn't make any sense and beyond that you can look at the evidence today to show that well if that were true then why aren't the corporations colluding to keep the pay levels at seven dollars and what is the minimum wage right now 750 or something like that it's like average yeah, yeah why, why well that's not the average that's the minimum wage uh, oh, it varies from state, doesn't it? Well, yeah, but there's a federal minimum. So, some yeah, some, some states have a higher minimum wage, so like California or some of the more and, lefty. And workers are leaving in those areas, like of in course. San Francisco. Well, companies are leaving, too. Oh, yeah, so uh, whole corporations will, uh, will walk away from that. Workers generally like having a higher minimum wage because they aren't economically with it enough to really understand the consequences of the minimum wage, which, of course, usually means uh, that prices go up or quality goes down. Uh, or jobs get cut. So there's all kinds of ways that uh, businesses deal with having the minimum wage. But uh, yeah, so so basically it's it's just nonsense because right now the average earner in any given household is making more than minimum wage. So that's all you have to look at to see that this theory is bunk because if, it, if there was any truth to it whatsoever, then every job would be $7.50. And that's not true. Robert? Any thoughts? Oh, yep, still here. Yeah, that was that was awesome. All right, man. Anything else you want to share? Um, I'll add to the social media thing. I was probably uh, eighteen when I first started using MySpace. Wow. Okay. So, and I'm thirty-two now. So. <laughs> it's been oh, a long okay. Time. So you've been on for a long time. Well, what's your experience been? Um, with Facebook, I just debate with people all day. 
<laughs> and what good does that really do? I mean, does that actually make you feel good? Uh, sometimes. Um, I'm in a I'm in a libertarian group, and we're actually like strategizing about how we debate with people on Facebook, trying oh to win God. over people by winning. Does yeah. it actually work? Do you actually get converts on Facebook? I think we're looking more for an audience of other people looking at the debate, not the person that we're actually debating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's generally so, true, right? If you're debating somebody, they're going to dig into their position, they're going to fire their, you know, lob bombs, verbal bombs over at you, you're going to lob yours back at them, and then, and you know. sophistry and everything. Maybe. It's awful. It's one of the reasons I left Facebook because yeah. of that. Well, maybe you'll convince somebody who's who's watching, but how do you ever know? I mean, does anybody ever say, hey, uh, Robert, I just want to say thanks. You convinced me today in that debate you had with that a-hole. I'm now a libertarian. Does that ever happen? No, it has never happened. Yeah. You're, you're right. Well, you know, I can't blame libertarians for doing that because, really, what else do you have to do? I mean, you live in Philadelphia. There's really no – I mean, there's some there's some libertarians down there, but, you know, Derek J. Freeman moved up here to New Hampshire. He was one of the, uh, the best activists, and, uh, I mean, there's still some good activists down there, but – yeah. What else? I mean, libertarians. I, I, I've I've complained. Like, I wish libertarians would call Free Talk Live and talk about all the cool stuff they're doing. But I'm sorry. I mean, it's not personal or anything. I've done my share of debating online, but debating online doesn't count as like cool libertarian activism. It's just something you do. Oh, we're doing other stuff. We yeah. we just met with uh, Ken Wade, who's going to be running for governor uh, for Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, we're running. We're trying to run someone for uh, city council of Philadelphia. Uh, we're trying to you know, uh, diligently take over the government to leave everyone alone. Yeah, how's that work? Pretty good. We're going to be running Matt Ballstar in uh, uh, 2019. How'd the last gubernatorial campaign go in in Pennsylvania? Uh, Not well, Mm -hmm. I don't think. Yeah, well, you know, that's generally the truth for uh, libertarians all across the country. And, good, and you know, good for you for getting out there and doing more than just Facebook. I am glad to hear that, you know, that you're doing something. I mean, it's the equivalent of banging your head up against a wall, but uh, ultimately it is something else. And maybe running those candidates can help persuade people to get involved and, and learn about the ideas of liberty. I mean, that's how I found libertarianism was through the Harry Brown campaign for president in the year 2000. So, I mean, I think that the libertarian campaigns... While they're not the most particularly effective thing to do, they are something to do, and libertarians in most places don't know really what else they can do. So uh, that is something, and I, you know, I give you kudos for that one. Hey, Robert, thanks for your call tonight here, man. I appreciate it. Now, if you actually want to win as a liber- liberty-minded person, you should move to New Hampshire, where, of course, there are thousands of libertarians and voluntarists and liberty-loving anarchists who are converging on this one geographic area. Many of them have already won election as Republicans and Democrats. Uh, we now have the very first libertarian state representative here in like two decades. That's Caleb Dyer, who is a very young man. He's like 20 or 21 years old. He was elected as a Republican, but he's changed his his party. He's always been a, a liberty-minded person. He's now officially a libertarian. And uh, you know we're actually seeing bad legislation get stopped here. We're actually seeing good legislation uh, move forward. So instead of just trying to you know, slam your head against the brick wall and try to get somebody past three percent in an election, which you know it's very rare that a libertarian campaign will will crack three percent, you can actually win in New Hampshire. You can come to a place where libertarians are called 
the greatest threat, the single greatest threat to the state. That's what Cynthia Chase, one of the state representatives here in Keene, said about free staters in 2012. And she's right. There is no single greater threat to the state besides the liberty movement here. Nobody says that about libertarians anywhere else. We're coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. Hey, Free Talk Live here. You can join us on the radio, the toll-free number, 855-450-FREE. You want to say big time on your purchases at Amazon? Well, you need cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. And then you need to go to saveitpurse.com. You go to saveitpurse.com and you can save 25% easily. I mean, surprisingly easily. I thought it was going to take longer than it did, but it's actually, uh, like, usually for me, it's no more than a day, typically. If I put an item at 25%, I could set it for less. I could do 20 or 15 or, you know, some number in between. I can go lower, but why? If I can save 25%, I'm gonna. And saveitpurse.com allows you to do that. But again, you have to have Bitcoin or some other form of cryptocurrency. Uh, Save It Purse is an amazing site. I've been using it for more than two years. I've done more than 80 transactions there. I've saved more than 1600 US dollars. That's money that I can do other things with now, thanks to SaveItPurse.com. Um, in fact, I did put something on there the other night. I was just experimenting. Uh, I, I tried something for 30%. I didn't think I was going to get it because it gives you like a little estimate of how likely it is that your item's going to get ordered. So I put this on there last night, 30%. I got no bites yet. So I'm going to probably lower that one to like 25% because I've been getting 25% pretty consistently. So you can change your, your order anytime you want to. So I'm going in there right now. I'm dropping it to uh, to 25% uh, and we'll see how that goes. Maybe it's because everyone's waiting for the drop with Bitcoin. you know, The, because the drop? What well, do you mean? Well, you know, some people say there's an in- inevitable drop once it gets this high. Oh, right, because it's at a record high. Yeah, it passed yeah. the the price of gold. People are saying, oh, it's of course, it's another bubble. Is it going to pop? And at what point will it pop? I see what you're saying. Uh, who knows? Uh, you know, you never know what the market conditions are, are going to look like, but I'll, I'll bet you I'll get this at 25%. If not, I'll drop it to 20%. Either way, I'm going to save big time on the item as long as I'm willing to be patient. But if you're impatient, you can still save big. Uh, or you can save some. You can save 5% at purse instant anytime you want. And then you don't have to wait at all. And you get to use the bonus of uh, the prime shipping if you use purse instant. So if you're in a hurry to get something, saveitpurse.com is also the way to go. So if I don't have prime and I go to prime... Uh, saveitpurse.com. Sa- I I could get a 5% discount. And prime shipping. And prime shipping. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's guaranteed to 5% or do you have to wait? Guaranteed, oh, right it's guaranteed. then. guaranteed, yeah. I never no way. Is that new? I never knew. No, nope, it's not new. Oh, wow, you should have mentioned it's that a, earlier. It's, wow. a kill, it's a killer app. I mean, this is the killer in one of my my opinion. Besides Darknet Markets, uh, this is the killer app for uh, for, for Bitcoin. So anyway, uh, toll-free number here tonight, 855-450-FREE. Before we go back to your calls, Vincent, you were saying something there during the break that I thought we ought to talk about on, on the air because it ties into this discussion about Facebook and some of the downsides of so-called social media and how kind of antisocial it can be for a lot of people who feel depressed uh, looking at the lives of other people that are sort of glamorized, maybe falsely. They're only putting the good things on, for instance. It might make people feel bad. And there was a study that was done, uh, according to the BBC's Newsbeat, 
Uh, reports suggest that using social media for two hours or more per day doubles the chances of that person experiencing social isolation. And you had said that libertarians arguing on Facebook actually makes libertarians look bad. Like, you don't think it's a good thing. No, and I, I don't. One of the reasons why I, I left Facebook was because I was so sick of it, right? And with, like, uh, take Twitter for a particular instance, right? You What... So what intelligent thing could you possibly say in 140 characters, right? It doesn't allow you to have evidence. It doesn't not much. allow you to have yeah, not much at all. And so I just see you know think people go and it's just the sophistry on there. And what is sophistry? What does that mean? It's like you present something that make from how I understand it, the vernacular of it is you say something that sounds smart, right? It sounds intricate or oh. it sounds but it, it's sophisticated. It's, it's, yeah, That's sophisticated. What the so it sounds like that, but it's just total BS. It's it, it just it's a non argument, right? And I see these things and people, you know, libertarians look like know it alls and everything, and it just looks terrible. It just looks absolutely awful. You don't understand someone's tone through typing. And, you know, compared to, obviously, if I could call someone and talk to them about something, I would do it rather than a message in most cases. And it just, it's, yeah, and, and I think there's a, an issue of sophistry in, in person, right, during libertarian debates or even sometimes on Free Talk Live and things. And Sophistry, according to Google, is the use of fallacious arguments, especially with the intention of deceiving. Okay, all right, I, I think that was r- roughly what I said. But maybe it's, you know, even further what you're saying where you're acting sophisticated in your argument. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so, if someone, let's say someone puts up a, uh, a statistic or whatever, and they, they explain it and things, and then someone just replies, oh, yeah, well, that's debunked because correlation doesn't apply causation, and they don't say anything else. And uh-huh. I, I see this all the time, and it's like, okay... Yeah, it doesn't, but why? Could you please explain it? Or they just post a link to a study, they don't explain it, they post a meme or something, and it's awful. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to get a name drop because this is something I do a lot on Off Air Live. Uh, Anarchy Ball is worse. These meme pages uh-huh. and Twitter accounts, it's awful because, you know, I get into arguments with some of these people or discussions, and they're like, oh, you're projecting, or oh, you, know, you have no idea what you're talking about. They post a meme or whatever, and it's like they, yeah, it's anyone could post a picture of something funny that says taxation is theft, or who's going build the roads but to actually back up your argument to not sound like a uh, not sound like a jerk to uh, it's so hard to have a meaningful conversation on these platforms that you're talking about these social media platforms because if you make an argument make an argument or respond to a point someone has made and even if you've done a good job in responding and you've taken time to hammer out a, a thoughtful response that's not rude or doesn't have an insult or whatever the person will just ignore it, and then they'll go ahead and make some other comment. Exactly. I mean, it's just so it, you know, you're just talking past the other person. And I think that you you pointed out that you believe that this actually hurts libertarians, yeah. some of this. And I think that's an interesting thing to say, because if you think about it, there are so many libertarians and others, but libertarians was what we're talking about here. So many libertarians arguing on Facebook or other social media platforms where are the results, okay? Uh, You can argue and say, well, I'm arguing for the people reading it, right? Which, again, yeah, you're not going to convince the person you're debating with, likely, so maybe you will convince the people reading it, but where are the results? Where are the libertarians getting greater vote totals? Is You know, if we argue harder on Facebook, does that mean that libertarians are going to get elected? No. No, it's not happening. And from a PR standpoint, and this is something I... I that bugs me a lot is you know like there's a lot of, of sophisticated ideas in like you know liberty and libertarianism and such Austrian economics and what liber- it 
some libertarians come off as a know-it-all, right? They say, mm-hmm. oh, I'm so enlightened because I realize we don't need the state or the state doesn't exist. And it just comes off to people as saying, oh, wow, this person, you know, is arrogant. This person is, you know, they talk down to others. Yep. They call people sheep and things like that. When- I've had people accuse me of that, and I, I don't think of myself as superior to anyone else. I don't think of myself as enlightened, but I get accused of that all the time. You know, oh, okay. you're being condescending. Well, I don't intend to condescend. Well, you're also the host of a show, too. So, you know, Well, I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying. But just in general, I mean, that's a comment about me. But that's not my intention ever. I mean, I can I like to think that I can empathize with people because I was once, you know, like them. And that's that's well, the statement that, and, yeah, that sounds yeah, yeah. condescending, right? Like, uh, and, and it's a classic sales technique of, well, I was once, you know, I believed this at one time and then I found this and then I realized this conclusion and and instead of yeah and instead of me just complaining you know instead of saying something like oh here's how i'm gonna teach you child it should be okay well here's how i came to these conclusions hopefully you can too toll free number tonight 855-450-FREE that's 855-450-3733 you can take control of the airwaves you can bring up anything you want and this is free talk live you can also join us on skype at skype username lrn.fm it's ian and vincent we're coming up Here's a chance to do a little activism while you're cruising Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. Between the LOL cats, the recipes, the hot girls, and the inspirational sunrise memes, Free Talk Live's posts pass by your newsfeed. Like them. Comment. It gives us more exposure. If you don't see our posts, click like at facebook.freetalklive.com and then hover over it to click get notifications. It's an easy way to spread the ideas of liberty a bit further. I know you're busy, but you can spare that tenth of a calorie it takes to click on something. Facebook.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Dial toll-free. Join us right here. Take control of the airwaves at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Ian. And Vincent. Uh, We do have Skype, by the way. You can Skype into the show at Skype username lrn.fm. And bring up what you want as we go to the phones to the fun. We talk to Greg in Brooklyn. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Greg. Hey, guys. I always enjoy listening to your show. Thanks. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, well, it's, by the way, it's not just Facebook. I call into the show uh, probably for a few years now, on and off. Have I ever convinced you of anything with my argument? No, definitely not. <laughs> you serious? I think I've convinced Ian of one thing, that uh, pri- private property requires force to be uh No, you didn't convince me of that. Like I mean, government. obviously you have to be able to defend your, your property in order for it to not be taken by uh, people who believe that they have some sort of right to it. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. Sure. But you didn't convince me of that. We just already agreed on it. But yeah, I, I well, get your point. Yeah. You're, you're referring to the uh, conversation we just had about arguments on Facebook and how uh, how pointless uh, they can be. But we do know that at least here on the radio, we have brought people to the ideas of liberty. Like we've gotten that feedback. We've had people contact us and say thank you for sharing these ideas. I'd never thought about that before. Or we'll also find people who already agree with us who will say things like. Well, I always thought that way, but I never knew anyone else did, and so they'll feel like they've sort of found a home with uh, with Free Talk Live. So, unlike arguing on Facebook, I would say that uh, arguing on the radio might be a little bit more effective. 
I, I think it's really effective, but I think it's one-sided. I mean, you guys tell everyone what you think, and people who already agree with you find great arguments. I think that's very useful, by the way, especially if you already agree in it. I think it's pointless what I'm doing. Uh, if I'm if if my goal was to convince you, I mean, you guys are radio hosts. You can't on air agree with the opposing point of view. And well, actually, that's not views. true at all. I mean, we have actually over over time, uh, you know, can changed our minds about things. I mean, maybe not in that moment. Um, although I bet you know, I bet there are some examples of that happening. I know for a fact Mark Edge has definitely changed his perspective on issues. He's a regular host of the show. He's been off the air for a couple mm-hmm. months, but he'll be back at some point. I mean, when when he started doing Free Talk Live, he was like, you know, kind of like a conservative guy. He believed in the war on drugs and uh, supported the war in Iraq. And, you know, like he's completely changed uh, his mind about a lot of issues based on the, the people who talked to him on the air. So... It is possible, uh, but you're right, Greg. The one of the rules of talk radio is the talk show host is never supposed to change their viewpoint, and we break those rules on Free Talk Live. We're human beings, and I, I like that. We can be wrong. Uh, I mean, we we have broken all the talk show rules basically on this program. <laughs> one of which is you're not supposed to have callers on more than two minutes at a time. We break that one all the time. Uh, if somebody's, oh in, yeah, yeah if I so- was going to say, sorry, I know sure. that I have limited time. Uh, you know, sometimes I call in and I try to make a cogent argument, but there's only so much I can say before you know you guys have to go to commercial. So yeah, but you are uh, usually on. You're, you're you're interesting to yeah, talk to, so you're usually time. on for uh, you know a segment, or sometimes we've had you on for more than a segment. You know, and and one of yes. the, the standard talk show rules is no more than two minutes at a time. Like program directors listen to their hosts, and if their hosts go longer than two minutes, they get chewed out. I mean that that happens in this uh, in this business. So I recently had sorry to go on here, but uh, I recently had just on the on the Free Talk Live Amp forum, somebody was complaining that we let uh, Ralph or James go on the regular callers of this show that we let them go on too long. But other people like to hear those callers, so it's like mm-hmm. uh, what I the, what I judge by. Is, am I interested? Because if I'm not interested, then you know I'm not going to keep it going. So uh, you're interesting. Go ahead, Greg. Right, I like that. Well, I was going to call in and talk about uh, kind of um, supply side libertarianism versus demand side libertarianism, and I kind of wanted to coin this on the air. I think I just I came up with it myself. Yeah, I was going to ask you and what it does turns that mean. Out, so basically, I am a libertarian just like you, except I am a mirror image of you. Whereas you say. I trust, you know, if there's no taxes, I trust the supply, the the people to put in their money uh, for worthy causes. I say, if there is no, uh, if there's a basic income, I trust people to work. And I, you know, you may say, I don't, I don't think people will work if they can just do whatever they want. But the evidence is against that. I mean, the evidence is. Well, the the, evidence is against the taxes thing, also. No, it's not. The evidence is that people give lots of money to charities. So even the lots of money, despite the fact that they're. But billions of dollars, uh, despite the fact that they are already taxed and could use the excuse of, well, I already pay taxes, so I don't need to pay for charity. Plenty of people around the globe, in the United States and around the world, uh, give billions of dollars every year to charities because they want to help others. So, I mean, yes, and plenty of of people work for open source, and plenty of people do work for free, and plenty of people do that not because for the money, for the profit motive, but because. They want autonomy, mastery, and purpose. This is something that Dan Pink wrote a book on. Sure, but that doesn't have anything to do with what you were just talking about. You were talking about giving people a welfare check. And we've definitely seen that when you give people a handout, when you give them a welfare check, 
while you may be right and a small percentage of them will you know dutifully go to work for free uh you know or you know dedicate themselves to some sort of task as you're talking about with like open source there's plenty of people who are going to smoke some crack and you know and that's fine and there should be liberty i'm talking about real liberty but I'm talking about the mirror image of well, your liberty. It might be You're fine with you, Greg, that somebody's using your money to smoke crack. But a lot of other people might be offended by that. And How would not- they use my money to smoke crack? I'm huh? talking about a single-payer system where they have uh, access to free health care. How are they going to use that? smoke crack. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said it's fine when I said that they would use the money to smoke crack. Didn't you say that? He, he's not talking about universal basic income. I That's what think. he's talking about. Oh, okay. I thought he said it was Well, hold on. No, 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 no. I just want to make it clear. I used to be talking about universal basic income, but you guys, and, and many people maybe push back on that. I say, listen, forget universal basic income. I'm talking about single care for everything that people need, that everyone needs, like healthcare, food, just the basic level. So you can't use that free health care to buy crack how are you going to do that well you can you'd be surprised i mean the uh, the people who get uh food stamps for instance they can sell their benefits at a fraction of the value get cash for those benefits okay and so then, if you go hungry to buy crack that's your choice well, you should be able to do they, won't, that. they won't go hungry it, one could argue that it's also subsidizing it because the money that they wouldn't need to buy food that they need to buy food that they get from a the government they would buy crack well, everyone needs to buy food, so the first $100, they're going to use their food stamps. If they have too much money, they should be able to do whatever they want with that money. Well, I'm glad you have that uh, that attitude. That's very nice of you. And if you're giving people money that's your money, then you can let them do whatever they want to do with it, if that's what you want. But other people are very concerned with how people use their handouts from the government because they don't want to see it wasted. If you're going to help somebody, the idea is that they should be able to, to uh, learn a skill or help themselves, pull themselves up out of uh, their situation, the poverty that they might be in. And well, if look, all they're uh, doing uh, is smoking crack and drinking wine all the time, or smoking cigarettes constantly, then you know that's not going to help pull them out of the situation that they're in, and it's not going to make them a productive member of the so economy. What? That's not a liberty mindset. You're not supposed to tell them what's better for them. You're supposed to let them live their life however no, they want. No, liberty... Like have, right. You let somebody live their life do. how they want as long as they're supporting it on their own. You're talking about stealing money from people and then redistributing it to people and then letting them do what they want with it. But you're always talking about coercing people with the threat of eviction from their house, not paying the rent, to work for nameless corporations that don't care about I them. I didn't it's, say it's go work a for a image. nameless corporation. If you want to get a job at a corporation, that's your business. But I haven't worked for a corporation for years. But otherwise, you have to work for someone or you die. You don't have to work for someone. You can work for yourself. You can have customers who buy your you product can, or, or you service. You have to work or you die. You have to work or you die. Yeah, being productive is an important part of why we are the way we are, why you have the luxuries that you have, why you have the time to enjoy the luxuries that you have, because productivity has given us the leisure ability that we have. I mean, we have a tremendous amount of leisure time. Look at all the people arguing on Facebook. I mean, they've got all (laughs) kinds of time to do things that they want to do, and they spend it on Facebook. That's their choice. They should be free to make those choices. So this is what I called in to say. This is what I called in to say. What you guys say about the supply side, I say about the demand side. I want those people to be free. I want every person to be free. It's just Good. A different way. Save your money and start handing it away to, to those free. people and then stand by as they smoke crack. Thanks for the call tonight. Toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. If it's your money, you can give it to whoever you want and feel great about it. I don't feel good about people wasting my money.
Free Talk Live. Moments remain. We might have enough time for you if you're on the line at 855-450-FREE, 855-450-3733. We do have Skype, and you can Skype into the show here at lrn.fm. That's our username there. You do need to send a contact request first, and then once you do that, uh, we'll approve it as soon as we notice, and then you'll be good to go to call on Skype from that point forward. With uh, with you in studio tonight, it's Ian and Vincent. Uh, right back into your calls and thoughts we go. It's Libertarian Banker on the line listening to LRN.FM. Hey, Libertarian Banker, go ahead. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, I wanted to agree with uh, you guys and Greg that uh, arguing on Facebook, it certainly is a waste of time. Yeah, but at man, least it, it at least in real life you can you can, you know, sort of hold someone's feet to the fire if they're ignoring something you'd be like, "Hey, can you answer this question?" They don't ever do that on Facebook. Exactly. But man, it is entertaining scrolling through those comments and just seeing people go back and forth wasting their time on Facebook. So, I, I Well, do, no, I let's be clear. Myself. I mean, it, if you're entertained by it, cool. I mean, everybody needs to have a hobby. And if whether your hobby's watching a movie or playing a video game or arguing on Facebook, I'm not trying to come down on anybody because that's how they, they spend their time. I'm just saying if you want to be effective and do something more effective with your time, there are other ways to spend it, like moving I, to New Hampshire and getting active and, here. And, 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 and having a conversation with somebody, I think, is the best way to, to do that, to persuade somebody, whether it's the person listening or whether it's the person that you're talking to, never having an argument or argument with them that that never works. But that that right. being said, I, I I did call in because I wanted to disagree with Greg on a couple points uh, that he brought up. Sure, uh, Greg uh, Greg is confused. I brought this up last time. He claims to be a libertarian. Yeah, no. But then goes on to support the universal basic income and uh, free health care. So. Uh, the two do not compute. <laughs> right. They do not compute. And and when and when you take a government program like the universal basic income and you and and uh, you know universal health care, you you mess with the supply and the demand side. Whatever he was talking about, there are unintended consequences to that. Everybody learns about the supply and demand curve in economics, and when you uh, when you fix the price of something or you enter something into the equation, there are unintended consequences, either to the price, either there are people left out of the market, there are things that happen that you just cannot see and nobody can foresee. And the only people that can make decisions like that are not bureaucrats or Greg's, uh, you know, ideas. It's millions or thousands of people making a decision in an economy. Mm -hmm. So just wanted to bring up that point there. Yep, absolutely true. And, you know, when Greg claims that uh, he's a libertarian, he's just essentially muddling the idea of libertarianism because libertarianism is a very simple concept. It says you don't support or advocate the use of force or the threat of force to achieve political or social goals. And his basic income idea or his universal health care idea is the use of force. If if somebody out there says, I don't consent, uh, well, not interested in that program, and then they're forced into it, then you're not a libertarian. I mean, just by definition. And, and, and again, you know, you, you go back to it. Who's, who, you know, who makes the decision on how much they get? And when prices go up, how much, how, who makes the decision on how much it increases? I mean, nobody can make these decisions all, all in some central location. Centralized planning never works. 
It never has. There's always been bubbles or, un, like I said, unintended consequences mm-hmm. or or anything that that just is unforeseen in, in the economy. And, you know, nobody can foresee these things. And the only way you can account for that and the most peaceful way and the most moral way to deal with it is is, is to let people interact peacefully with each other in a free economy. Thank you for the call today, Libertarian Banker. I appreciate it. We'll continue with your calls and thoughts. Elliot is in Wichita, listening online via TuneIn. Go ahead, Elliot. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to talk about uh, the subject of dating. I've actually sure. uh, been dating a gal for a few months now, and um, it's kind of interesting because, uh, you know, normally the guy is taller than the girl, but in this case, she's taller than me. I'm 5'11", and she's mm. six foot six. Oh, wow. wow. That's a big girl. All right. Yeah. Yeah, so she's really tall, and I was just, I, you know, obviously when we go out, people can be rude, people can make some comments, and I was just wondering, you know, do you think it's bad to have a girlfriend taller, I guess, or... Well, of course not, I mean... Or, or where does this, where does that uh, notion come that the girl has to be shorter than the guy, you know? Um, I don't think it's a, a notion as much as it is the way things are, typically, the average height of a woman is shorter than the average height of a man. So it's just common uh, that the woman is going to be shorter than the man. That's just that's just life. Um, obviously, there okay. are outliers and there are unusual cases, and it sounds like she's one of them. I mean, who cares what other people think? Is she attractive to you? Yeah, she is. Yeah. Then that's all that you know. That's all that matters. Do you get along with her? I do, yeah. Okay, well then... Right now we do. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, things can change. <laughs> things can change in the future, that's for sure. Um, you know, whatever it is that you're into, man, I don't let other people rain on your parade. If you've got a good thing going, then uh, if they're making fun of you, then they're just jealous. They don't know what you've got, right. or maybe they do know what you have, and they're absolutely jealous of it. All right, cool. Well, thanks so much, man. Hey, no problem. I appreciate hearing from you. I mean, it seems like... Uh, that seems obvious to me, but... I mean, maybe there is a lot of derision out there. Maybe people get made fun of for this kind of thing. It sounds like some people made fun of him for it, and that's just sad. Well, on the internet, there's something called a a giantess fetish, where men, for some reason, are turned on by big women or being crushed by giant women. Okay. That's probably not not what these people are just making I've seen videos of people being crushed in a lot of ways that, uh, or at least a a man being crushed, a man's parts being crushed, which was very scary but you know people are into a lot of weird stuff yeah, out so there maybe that's the joke i don't know but i don't you know i don't deride anybody for it hey it's not my thing but whatever it is that you're into cool as long as it's consensual as long as everybody is is okay you know everybody's consenting and uh there's to me no issue with that let's continue here sarah in new mexico somebody who doesn't know much about relationships you're on free talk live go ahead sarah which is also cool. If you want to be asexual, hey, man, whatever. Go ahead, Sarah. I know it's usually not a choice, but you're on Free Talk Live. Well, anyways, uh, we have this uh, park and ride at, at our train station, but it just got so overcrowded. They're going to build another park and ride um, that's uh, enough for 150 cars. Hmm. So okay. this is the North Valley stations. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people are using that rail runner. Um, they park the car and they take the, a train down into uh, their job uh, downtown Albuquerque. So, you know, the environmentalist movement is really picking up. 
So you're um, saying this you is know, an but, evidence of success, this, you know, the fact that they're building another park and ride, evidence that uh, people care about the environment, that they're using ride sharing or they're using buses and things like that? Well, the rail runner is a double-decker train that goes all the way from Albuquerque to Santa Fe and it goes down down um, like 50 miles south even. Berlin. You do love a good choo-choo. <laughs> Well, the thing about it is they, they bought it. They say that's just a waste of money, but everybody's writing it enough to... Well, if that's true, then that's good. Because a lot of government bus systems, nobody rides them. It's very, very rare that they're busy. Frequently, there's only a handful of people riding it. It's a it's total, weirdos. Oh, well, there's that. But it's it's also a total waste of, uh, of money because you've got this huge bus driving around only with a handful of people in it, that's a pretty wasteful thing to have happen. So if your if your bus system or your train or whatever it is is actually like bristling with people, then you might actually get some sort of uh, some kind of economic benefit out of it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy into the idea that you're gonna save the environment with this, but it is economically well, beneficial yeah. to to ride share. It is economically beneficial to uh, to go somewhere with a group of people to reduce the cost and that makes sense. Yeah, so they're going to have um, the, make the crosswalk. They have to cross the street to get to the other side. They're going to make it yep, pedestrian. Usually that's safe, true. But they're going to have streets. Yeah, they're going to have cameras in the parking lot, so there's no auto theft. So this is going to be really catered to people that. Uh, uh, cameras that in the parking lot don't prevent auto theft. I just want to let you know, just because there's a camera there, it might prevent some of it. Uh, but a you know a determined thief will just put a hoodie on or something like that, and they'll do things uh, under the cloak of darkness, etc. Hey, thanks for the call, Sarah. I appreciate hearing from you. Yeah, I'm, I'm not against buses. I have no objection to a bus. I have an objection to a government-run bus system because, again, here we are with government forcing their idea of a good business down everybody's throat. Whether you ride that bus or not, you're paying for it. And that essentially makes it a subsidized operation. If buses are a good idea, let them operate in the marketplace. Let them sink or swim based on what people are willing to, you know, to pay for. It's been Ian here with you tonight. And Vincent. We'll see you online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. Check out more Vincent over on his show at offtheairlive.com, which he does every Saturday night with Cody O'Connor on LRN.fm. Ross Ulbricht was convicted in early 2015 of running the infamous Silk Road Underground Market. The Silk Road was a gift to humanity and helped reduce the harms brought on by drug prohibition. For this good deed, Ross has been sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. Now, an appeal is Ross's only chance, and he needs your support. Please visit FreeRoss.org, where you can contribute via various methods, including Bitcoin. Visit FreeRoss.org. That's FreeRoss.org.